0: Week 47 of 2023 has arrived. and The avalanche of Black Friday and Cyber Monday emails has begun. If I could pile them all up in the backyard, they would be bigger than the pile of leaves that is currently there and certainly less useful and less welcome. It gets kind of exhausting feeling like a slot machine for large corporate interests. It's time to walk over to your 4K Weeks poster and fill in another square. Are you done? Okay, here we go. First of all, the joke of the week. The dad joke of the week. How do you make a Kleenex dance? We'll get to the answer at the end. To those of you in the U.S., happy Thanksgiving. I hope you feel loved and appreciated and have a few belly laughs with the people that you end up sharing the day with. And for those of you outside the U.S., happy November 23rd. I hope you feel loved and appreciated and have a few belly laughs with the people you share the day with. Week 47 in 1963, John F. Kennedy, president of the United States, was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. He was 2,425 weeks old. Week 47 of 1983, Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood presents one of his sweaters to the Smithsonian Institution. He was 2,957 weeks old. and week 47 of 2009, Susan Boyle, contestant on Britain Got, Britain's Got Talent, releases her debut album, which goes on to become the biggest selling album worldwide that year. I remember seeing her audition... For Britain's Got Talent. And it was amazing. It it kind of felt, it was so sweet. It felt like for a minute, anyone could do anything. And she was 2,538 weeks old. This week's quote is from Aesop, 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 Aesop of Aesop's fables. No act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. I heard a different version of this somewhere, and I forget where I heard it. And it goes, Wherever you find yourself having a generous impulse, Act on it immediately. I think we're also caught up in the internal and external rules of social etiquette, that it's super easy not to act when you see a stranger who could use some form of human connection, just a hello or a hi, or maybe they actually need help. You know, we have this dialogue in our head that says, oh, I don't want to assume, or I don't want to embarrass them, and I I don't want to get involved in their business. And on top of that, this time of year, nearly everyone is in a hurry. A hurry to get to the grocery store, a hurry to get the work done before the holiday, a hurry to get the lights on the house, a hurry to do myriad things that will like make the season special. And I think that's important to note, because the Princeton Seminary experiment tells us that people in a hurry, even when they're hurrying to give a lecture on the parable of the Good Samaritan, are much, much, much less likely to stop and help someone who is clearly in need. You should take a look. Just Google the Princeton Seminary Experiment. Check the show notes. So maybe you should make a rule for yourself for the rest of this year. And that is if your little voice says, I should dot, 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 some generous impulse. Just do it. Damn the torpedoes and the schedules. Just do it. Get a $10 bill out of your hand or out of your pocket and give it to somebody. Ask somebody if they need help. If you see someone changing a tire, stop and ask them if you can help them. Whatever it is, just like a tiny bit of human connection because you have no idea how far that can go In this season, if someone is feeling a little lonely or a little left out, or if they need a little help. So what did I consume this week? The most important podcast I heard this week was from the Ezra Klein show and the title was the sermons I needed to hear right now. And it has to do with Israel and Palestine and it is heavy, but it is honest and open. And I'm just going to read you a quote from, um, Rabbi Bruce or Brouse. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Um, she is the interviewee and it's just spectacular. And I think it's rare to find a person who is thinking both about the pain they're experiencing and also about the pain, the people on the other side of their conflict are experiencing in a very honest way. And so she says, um, very emotionally, um, I don't frankly want to hear from the people in the streets who are shouting about decolonizing Palestine who do not shed a tear when Vivian Silver, a 74-year-old warrior for peace, is murdered by Hamas. And the same is true on the other side. For the people who are absolutely devastated by losses to Jews, but then feel that it's offensive to even report on the Palestinian children who are dying in Gaza, I'm sorry, but we have lost our moral center. What we have to do is expand our scope of moral concern to find the humanity in one another again. It's a spectacular podcast, and you should absolutely listen to it. That little quote reminds me of the African parable that I've heard, um, and I'll make this quick. The family who has suffered a murder in their family by another man's hands, and the man is brought to justice and convicted. They decide that, yes, he did murder this person. And so the sentence is given over to the family of the murdered man, and the sentence can be one of two things. Um, Well, actually, the sentence is one thing and the action is different the sentence is this the man will be bound with heavy stones and set out at low tide so that when the high tide comes he will drown and now the family of the murdered man has a choice to make they can stand there and they can watch the murderer drowned and then they will have justice or they can go out before the high tide comes in and untie the man therefore saving his life and then they can have peace so sometimes you don't get to choose to have justice and peace. Sometimes you have to choose which one's more important to you. A lot of other podcasts this week, um, all less less um, heavy. Freakonomics Radio: Are private equity firms plundering the U.S. economy? Uh, you know whether or not capitalism is good or bad in any moment largely has to do with where the incentives and where the regulations are. It's a really good podcast. Revisionist History: This is your captain speaking. It's really an interesting conversation about what constitutes authority. Uh, I'm still listening to all of the Dream podcasts. I feel so strongly in both directions about that podcast. The Dream is a a Pushkin podcast, and it is about um, the American Dream and how it's sold to us, and sometimes it's sold to us by charlatans. Um, The Three Books podcast by Neil Pashrika, he's been doing this thing where he has little little, tiny episodes, four minutes, and um, I heard one with Gretchen Rubin where she shares a book that she found called This this book teaches us why we get fat. Well, that's the title of the episode. I can't remember the title of the book. But anyway, she found a book and then um, it basically talks all about the insulin in your body and how you respond to blood sugar. And it's basically this, that book in the four-hour body form is basically how I lost 27 pounds from January uh, to April of this year and also went from 26% body fat to 18% body fat. And you wouldn't have looked at me and thought that I needed to lose weight. I was not necessarily overweight looking Um, but it just goes to show you that a normal u.s diet is not normal so those are the podcasts for this week what am i thinking about this week Um, growth and discomfort and so um, this was written on sunday of last week and that was the day of my 11 year old son's last rehearsal before performances start for him and so in a staggering act of courage in our family compared to the shy kid that he was a few years ago Our son auditioned for our city's big holiday show and he made it into the cast. And I think largely one of the reasons he was able to do that is because his older sister um, has always been very courageous and kind of has showed, you know, led the way for him to do that. And so um, he got into the cast and for the last month, he's had hours and hours of rehearsal nearly every evening and weekend day. I mean, like every weekend from nine to five and every week from five to nine every weekday. Um, And it's been super strange to watch the steep curve of his growth in a month. He's a fairly mature 11-year-old to begin with, but my wife and I have both been struck nearly daily by how grown up he seems right now. And I think it just comes down to the fact that he tossed himself into an uncomfortable situation and had to level up in myriad different ways just to keep up. And the growth that he's been doing at rehearsal is seeping out at home. This is a performance where most of the people in it are professional actors. and so. you know, it's either level up or be called out. Right. And so, um, I think kids seem to be able to just get uncomfortable and learn like this much easier than adults. It's almost like they don't feel the need to be seen as competent at everything. And so they're okay with just making newbie mistakes and then learning from them. Um, in the book, hidden potential by Adam Grant, the first chapter is titled embracing the unbearable awkwardness of learning. And its main focus is how certain adults can learn languages, new languages, really quickly. And what it largely comes down to is how comfortable they are getting uncomfortable. They don't, they don't mind looking stupid when they ask for a newspaper instead of a, a scone or something. And so they'll learn a little bit, and then they throw themselves into situations where they are just going to make a lot of mistakes in a short period of time, thus shortening the learning curve. So it comes down to, if you want to get good at something... You first need to be okay being bad at it and not be embarrassed at that badness, right? So, I mean, you just need to be like, steal yourself for awkward. And then no, when you feel the feeling of awkward, know that that is you learning. And if you can do that, then the next thing you need to figure out is how can you put yourself in a situation where you can kind of safely make a whole bunch of mistakes in a short time? Like, right? Right. Ordering at a coffee shop in a language that is not your native tongue is fairly safe. You might look like an idiot for a second, but you're not going to die. And so you have to find a way to kind of, you know, make as many mistakes as possible. Tony Robbins talks about this at the beginning of his career when he realized that if he gave one speech a month, it was going to take him forever to improve. So he said, all right, forget about it. I'm just going to like book two or three speeches a day and then shortcut that learning curve. And I'm going to do more in a month than my biggest competitor will do in a year. Um, it's the same thing. And so I think you just need to get uncomfortable being uncomfortable and actually chase the uncomfortableness because when you are uncomfortable with, you know, your mistakes, when you are making mistakes, when you're playing the piano, when you are, you know, losing the ball, when you're dribbling in basketball, when you are asking for, uh, um, the bathroom instead of a croissant or whatever is, you know, that's where you're learning. It just seems so silly that the thing that is holding most of us adults back is a deathly fear of looking stupid even for a second. That's just, just ridiculous. And even for those of us who think of ourselves as Stoics, I know that you, when you, when you are out in the world, you're like, Doo, do, do, I've, I've got my stuff together. Ba, ba, ba. I feel good about it, right? And I think you have to let go of that if you want to learn something very quickly. So that's it for the week. I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving if you are in the United States. And I hope you have a happy November 23rd, Thursday, if, uh, if you are not in the United States, and the, the punchline to the dad joke of the week. How do you make a Kleenex dance? You put a little boogie in it.